0: About eight years ago, um, we had arrived in this beautiful country called Zimbabwe. And at that time, as a family, we lived outside of town in the area. Those of you know where Hamara Farm is, we were out there. And children were at school still. Now they're not anymore. And every day we had to travel out, or travel in rather, from the farm to come into town, to bring them to schools, I had to go up all the way to Whitestone, and then I'd go to Petra, and then as we traveled, we, we left home where there was no internet, and there was no television, so we, had, we were completely cut off from the world, we, were, we had moved up to Zimbabwe, we, we barely knew people here, and um, I had very little contact with the world out there. And uh, so we didn't know what was going on really outside in the world. And we started tuning our radio in the vehicle to try to catch up some news. And I couldn't really I always understand what they were trying to say on ZBC. So inevitably, I, I, I went on to shortwave. Uh, for those of you who don't understand radio language, it's a different frequency. Um, and uh, so I, I found on shortwave, um, US, US Today or something, what is it? Sorry? No, no, some uh, some channel from the States that I picked up. And every morning they gave us the news, and that was my portion of news that I would get from the world out there. Because we had moved into Zimbabwe, we didn't know what was going on in the world. And so every morning there was this news broadcast that came. And I remember at the time that um, there was a leader from Nigeria called Jonathan something good... Good luck, Jonathan. Yeah, good luck, Jonathan was his name. And every day they spoke about good luck, Jonathan, and what he was up to again. And so we never heard about good luck, Jonathan before, but boy, oh boy, in January 2010, we started hearing about good luck, Jonathan. (laughs) And so the news became quite apparent that it was some way for us and the two boys that were traveling with me every morning to kind of stay in touch with what was happening in the world. Before that, for 2010, I'd also been quite aware of the news. And back in South Africa 2007, three years prior to this moment, I'd been watching the news, listening to the news, and hearing the news of what was happening in this country. Been here once, never really knew anything about Zimbabwe, but the fact that it was just north of the Limpopo River. And um, as I watched, as I observed, as I listened, the news that came from this nation started stirring my heart. And it wasn't so much the fact that I heard something. It was something I believed that God was doing in my heart upon hearing it. And, And a long story cut short, what had transpired in listening I'd never gone then on a reconnaissance trip into Zimbabwe to see if all the news that I'd heard was actually true. God just supernaturally then positioned us in such a way that three years later we would find ourselves listening to Radio Today or whatever it was from the States and hearing about good luck, Jonathan, because prior to that, God had moved our hearts to actually physically move here. This morning as we dive into the book of Nehemiah, And the title of this message this morning is really just listen to the news. I want to ask you to take up your Bible and we're going to read through the first chapter of Nehemiah. Is that okay? And so over the next couple of weeks, we have no idea how long this will take. But we felt stirred by God that this is a message that would be so relevant for us as a church to to discover together or a book. And that from the book... There are things that he would like to speak into our lives corporately, but also individually. And so this is not just a message for King City Church. I believe it's a message for us. It's a time where we need to consider the work that is at hand. That not just one person needs to be part of, but all of us. So I want to ask you to look around and just see your fellow co-workers in this wonderful Experience of being used by God to rebuild what he wants to build in this nation so we're going to read just 11 verses together is that right hey just 11 and if you've got some device that you have please take it up and make it of good use this morning um, and read uh, on the Bible or if you have a Bible app on it use it for that purpose always this Facebook and WhatsApp and all these other things you're going to have a godly purpose for your phone this morning well done if you have a Bible, the real hard copy, just follow us. Nehemiah chapter 1. If you haven't found Nehemiah, just raise your hand. Somebody will help you quickly. Jan, you're all right? <laughs> okay. So let's read together from verse 1 in chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandment, the statutes and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them through your, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them And bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servants today, and grant them mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. We have to just intro this book for us all to kind of just understand a little bit of the context. First of all, the, the name Nehemiah really just means Yahweh or God has comforted. God has comforted. When he says in verse 1, it happened in the month of Chislev, which is really a month that if you kind of go and just look into it a bit, it, it kind of refers to the month of December, all right? You've got to see that because later in the book we'll see that he mentions another month. So it's right about the month of December. And it says, in the 20th year, that does not mean that the 20th year of humanity, it means the 20th year of the king Artaxerxes that had reigned, so it was during his 20th year of reign. He says, I was in Susa, the citadel. Um, Yanko did we get that slide, that map? I just want to show it to the people. Um, just to give you some perspective of where he's talking about, and what he's talking about, and where he's from. And you'll see that there's a little city called Susa, and this is in today's Iran. And he was over here because what had happened, the Jews, being from Jerusalem, being from Judah, being from Israel, had been taken into captivity, during about 600 before christ all right during the babylonian empire guys by the name of nebuchadnezzar how many of you have heard of nebuchadnezzar it's not your neighbor it's a guy from the bible all right he had taken the the jews captive and that's when a guy called daniel was around it's about 600 before christ daniel also was from the city of susa all right and so daniel and, and loads of the Jews had been taken from Jerusalem to this place and that's where they were kept. And the Babylonian Empire eventually fell because the Persians were stronger than them. And during Nehemiah's time, this king Artaxerxes was a Persian king. All right, so we've had the Babylonian Empire. I know that a lot of you love history, so you're going to take notes of all of these and and get the spelling correct of Artaxerxes and Nebuchadnezzar and all those things. But the point just simply is just to help you understand a little bit of context. So Nehemiah is a Jew. He was probably born in exile because this happened. The Jews were taken captive and moved to Babylonia. You see Babylon over there. And this Susa was, was, by the way, was a summer, um, it's summer, yeah, it's a, summer, no, it's a winter residence of the king. So the king, for winter's sake, you know, obviously for better weather, I don't know, he went to Susa. The point is, they were moved that side, and Nehemiah finds himself in the palace of a king, as a Jew, serving a Persian king. He's actually in captivity still. And so he receives this message whilst he is in Susa. King Artaxerxes, as I said, was a king of the Persian Empire, an empire that ruled the known world after the fall of the Babylonian Empire. The one empire was instrumental in the capture of the Jews and the exile of them. And then this empire, the Persian Empire, became the, the instrument in God's hand to actually let them return to Jerusalem and to Judah. So um, Nehemiah was then born during this time and his job, as it says here, the very last sentence in chapter one, is he was a cupbearer. It means that he would have tested the food and the drink that was about to be offered to the king. And so it's kind of like a risky job, isn't it? Because these kings weren't too popular. They were quite evil. And you can imagine that that's why they had a cupbearer and people had kind of tested the stuff. But it might have been someone that, obviously became quite close to the king. It seemed like that, that Nehemiah, if we read further into the next chapters, that he was kind of like quite close to the man. And, and Nehemiah was, um, was again, by God's divine providence, set up to be amongst um, a guy like that. So a rather privileged position that he found himself in. So This morning, really what we want to do is, Just kind of stick to chapter 1 and just give you five things that we, and there would probably be, not probably be, definitely be many more lessons that we can learn from Nehemiah's chapter 1. But I just want to give you five, all right, so that you can keep one hand free for whatever purpose that would be. Anyway, just the first one I'd love for us just to consider is that Nehemiah inquired about the welfare of others. You see that it says, whilst he was in this context that I just explained to you, then verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. So these are his people that came to Susa from Jerusalem. And he was interested to know, Nehemiah probably have never been to Jerusalem. All right. He's probably in his 30s, 40s now and he's serving in the king's quarters and he's asking. It says, I asked him concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. So he asked about the welfare of his people. He had heard that they were people from Jerusalem around and he wanted to know. He genuinely was interested to know, hey, what's happening with my people? And then the beautiful thing is that he doesn't only ask. Cause it's one thing to ask it's another thing to listen
1: <laughs>
0: isn't it true uh-huh. how many of us ask and we kind of just leave it there it's like how are you doing <laughs> and and the person is telling us exactly how they are doing we're like oh seriously and i don't know what they said or i didn't listen to anything that was communicated. we're so used to somebody saying i'm fine thanks that we assume they're going to say that. The moment they say, no, I'm not well, we we don't know what to say. Because we're so programmed to just say, it's good to hear that. You're fine. It's good to hear that. When they say, I'm not fine, what do I say now? I don't have anything to say. At least we heard that they're not fine. The problem is we often don't. They say something different to what we expect they will be saying. And firstly, we don't know what to say, or secondly, may may not have even listened to what they said. Nehemiah is genuinely interested in them. He's not only asking, hey, how are my my people doing in Jerusalem? He's genuinely interested because he's listening to what really is happening. And there's ample proof that he was listening. question we need to ask ourselves is, Do we actually listen? Are we genuinely interested when we ask people how they are? I'm sure that you would know how you are doing this morning. I trust you are able to say whatever it is. Maybe it has been tough for you. Start of the new year, I don't know, for various reasons, it may have been quite quite a thing. So you will be able to possibly say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing so and so. But how many times do we actually know how others are doing? Do you know how perhaps somebody else in this meeting, apart from your spouse or a friend that's very close to you that you had contact with during the week, have you actually stopped to just listen to how others are doing? And I think as a church... This is where God is using Hanani's. Hanani was the brother of Nehemiah, it says. So God uses a Hanani to come into Nehemiah's life to tell him about what is really happening in the lives of other people. And God brings Hanani's into our lives to inform us of what really is happening somewhere else. Are we open for the Hanani to come and to just take some of our time? No, no, I'm busy, I'm too busy, I can't. It's not really my problem. I'm fine. I've never been in Jerusalem. I don't know anybody from Jerusalem. You know, we don't have, it's not on my contact list. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> can't show concern to you. I don't know anything about them. But in Jer- Nehemiah's heart, there's a, there's a longing, there's a genuine interest in them. Let's make sure that we ask that we do show an interest in others and that in the point or at the moment of asking that we also listen, that we truly listen, and kind of recap what they just said. Maybe there was someone that I perhaps greeted this morning, and you said something to me that I didn't even hear. I want to apologize. Maybe I did that to you, and I'm preaching to myself, and I didn't even really listen to what you said. folks. I believe this is not just as individual, but as, as a church. We can live in this community, and the communi- community can shout out the condition that they're in, but we are not actually listening. We're just fine to come and meet on a Sunday morning and be happy. This is great. I mean, there's some fans. Air conditioners would actually be better, but it's fine. We've got lovely screens. It's, some of us have got soft seats, and um, you know, others are battling in the plastic ones. Praise the Lord. You guys are hardcore. Shall I to honor you. Well done. By the way, there are some open ones in the front. Um, the point is we can become so comfortable being cupbearers to the king and just have this cozy little job. And when Hannah and I comes and informs us about what really is happening in, in Bulawayo or in Zimbabwe, we're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Or I really ask, but I do not show any concern because I'm not actually listening. Let's listen. Let's, let's show a genuine interest in people. We're not here just to do our thing. We're here to listen. The second thing that I notice is, is for me quite crucial for us as a church to understand is that Nehemiah not only listened, but he was moved and concerned by what he heard. We see it clearly. It says he, he wept. He wept. He fasted. He was greatly troubled by what he heard. What did he hear? It says that that his brother, said to him, the people over there who had survived, they're in great trouble and they're in great shame. Jerusalem is destroyed virtually. The wall is no longer. So the wall that provides protection and security for people from wildlife, from, from attacks from the outside, is no longer. So the city is quite vulnerable and exposed. And so the people are in great trouble, and they, they're in great shame. They're like, oh. Makes you think of that story of the son that wrote to his dad. Um, you know, I was away from home, and money ran out, so he writes, No man, your son, or no, no fun, no money, your son. Dad, dad writes back, so sad, too bad your dad. It's like, all right, Nehemiah, he hears about this, and like, Oh, that's a pity. That's really troublesome. It really breaks my heart to hear about Jerusalem and that they're in such disarray. No, no. What it does to him is he doesn't only ask, he also listens and he shows a real concern. And his heart breaks. And his heart's moved. And I think that's what the world needs. Is people of God that ask, people of God that listen, and people of, heart, of God that are moved by what they hear. What moves you? I'm not asking for your physical moving. Well, I found a better home. No. What moves your heart? Or, or are our hearts moved by what we hear? Or are we just ignoring as a people of God, we are the only ones that can carry the heart of God into the world that God has created. But it depends on a simple thing that we have called our hearts, our hearts that are tended towards God and our hearts that are tended towards people. And as we launch into the season again called 2018, and it's a new term, and it's like, wow, exciting, and and things have kind of changed, and promising to change in this nation and hopefully will change and are we becoming content with that and ignoring the cries of people that are genuinely in trouble and living in great shame? And it's people without God that will be in that situation. People who have no protection around their hearts. that have never understood the true love of Jesus. And their lives are in disarray. And actually they're in great trouble and shame persists. There are many women that are in great shame because of what men have done to them. Are we ignoring those cries because we're okay? Are we willing to listen and say, God, I constantly hear, there's a radio this morning. That's why, by the way, forgot about this little instrument. I just brought it here to illustrate to us that there's news constantly being broadcast. Every day. Every day there's something that is being shared. And you don't have to turn on the physical radio here in front of you. This is a radio for those of you who've never understood what this could be. And it broadcasts news and all sorts of other things if you tune it to a certain channel. But if our hearts are tuned to, to the, the voice of God, and heaven speaking to us. We will hear, as a Hannah and I came to speak to Nehemiah, we will hear Holy Spirit speak to us and say, can you see that? I want you to help there. Can you see this one? I want you to contact them. Can you see this? Can you do that? And our hearts are like, God, Holy Spirit, won't you help me to not only ask, not only listen, but also respond. And as a people of God, we are called to live like this. As much as people have listened to you. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hands. How many of us have not so often have asked people or shared with them the condition of our hearts and our souls and our lives? If only others would know. If only others would know. And we like afterwards, nobody was around. Nobody cared about me. But yet, there were those people that truly often would come and, and show an interest in us and in our lives and, and reach out. I know that there was a, a school friend that showed a concern for my life. And after I got saved and I, I gave my life to Jesus, she shared with me the story of how, when I was in my last year, final year at school, she prayed for me. She cried out to God for me. She heard about my state, my life, while just observing me. And she cried out to God for me. And I believe God is calling us as a church to cry out and do as we hear the stories of people's lives being broken down. And this city is full of that. This nation is full of that. This world is full of that. Message Bible says that that very line where it says in great trouble and shame, Message Bible, which is often just a very free translation, just helps us understand things a bit easier sometimes. It says they're in bad shape and the conditions are appalling. There are many stories of people that are moved by what they hear. Last year when... So and I had the privilege to be in the city of Doha, Qatar. I was asked to just preach in the church. And I had the privilege of sharing stories of people from Zimbabwe, from this nation, whose hearts were moved by what they saw and how they responded. And I, I was overwhelmed with people coming to me afterwards and just appreciating, hearing the stories of people like you. People like you, who live in a nation where Many of you could have perhaps lived somewhere else, but something moved you to still stay. Something moved you to still be involved in what God has called us to be doing in this nation. And I want to honor you. I don't want to just come and kind of, with all due respect, lick your wounds and sympathize. We're all here because God has moved us. God moved my heart. Nine years ago, in an amazing way, and I just honor him for it to be able to be involved in people's lives like I am today because he moved us, not just physically, but he moved our hearts. And that's what God constantly wants to do. I want to share with you just one simple example. We, we live in a city where God wants to touch people's lives and he uses people to touch people. And so some time ago, we, together with Yanku and the young people, We've realized that so many times when we have the young people getting involved in, in debrief and in the lives of, or in the youth, that so many of them, for various reasons, I understand that they move off. And we're starting to sit with a gap of, of 20 to 25 to 28 year olds not amongst us. And many people find themselves moving away, and praise God, many of them want to come back. But we don't have many young people in that, in that age bracket that can be mentors and, and just help other younger people be guided through their lives. And we said, God, we, we trust you that actually we have a couple of guys, but we don't have too many young ladies. We trust you that somehow, we didn't use these words, but in the context of today, we trust that you will move someone, their heart. And so long story short, we, we have this brilliant relationship with a couple down in South Africa called Kenny and Maureen Leroux that many of you have met. And Kenny, one day we were sitting in our house and we were talking about just God is doing. And he said this to us. He said, you know what? I often travel to Canada and there's a church that I know. And there's a lady actually there in that church. Her heart's moved for Africa. God's moving her heart for Africa. Something about Africa has gripped our heart. We're like, Kenny, we've never told you this, but actually, in the life of the young people here in Bulawayo, we're actually looking for a young lady that could come and serve, and just be part of what God's doing here to help us with the work towards young people, particularly a young lady. And so that was February last year. And God, just by His incredible providence, have continued with this work of moving and stirring and ordering the the footsteps of the righteous. And so this morning, that young girl whose heart has been moved, we can gladly say to you, she's on her way here. She'll be moving next month. But we have her parents with us. They've come ahead because they'd love to see more about Africa and then obviously more about Bulawayo. And so, well, it's, (laughs) Neil and just learn, please want you to stand. I just want to introduce you, Mr. and Mrs. Courtney, the parents of Cassandra Courtney that will be moving out in a month's time. And they've made the effort to come across. (laughs) Thank you very much. Bless you guys. Thank you so much for making the effort to come and just see not for your daughter's sake only. I know it's more than that, but for the kingdom's sake. And there's something beautiful. I've I've been to Canada once. Yay, hey, hey, Janelle. Um, and uh, but I, they come from a place called Terrace. It's right, British Columbia, on the on the west coast side of of Canada. I mean, we had to go Google it to find it to realize that they actually are a place. There's a place like that. I needed to believe them. But um, it's just great to be seeing how God moves people's hearts for the sake of the kingdom. And I want to encourage you that it doesn't require a physical move for you to be moved by God. You can be moved by Him to love your wife the way that you need to love her and serve her. You can be moved by God to serve in your workplace the way that you need to be serving. And so, folks, this morning and as we continue to journey through the book of Nehemiah please allow God to move you don't become complacent where you are and just say I'm happy I'm a cupbearer to the king, I'm okay don't rock my world Nehemiah's world was rocked and we'll see how God provided for him to move and go and help but firstly there was a response in his heart that said I don't only ask I listen And I respond, and it breaks my heart what I hear. And so as we continue just through this chapter, we see just two more things, three more things. We see that Nehemiah approached God first with this news. (laughs) It's amazing. So often when we hear news about things, we we do want to just run into the flesh and do what we think we ought to be doing. And saying, oh yeah, I've got the plan. You know, I've read this book. I know exactly what to do. But Nehemiah does something different. And he approaches God. He doesn't go to the king. He doesn't speak to anybody else then. It says, I, I approach God. And, and you see the bulk of chapter one is his, his discussion, his dialogue, his prayer to God. Saying, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. And I ask you to help me. And so we want to encourage one another. Please, as we did with, with this discussion or over Skype and over WhatsApp to Canada, I mean, I would have wanted Cassandra here about a year ago already. But God wanted us to first approach him and say, God, why don't you just deal and direct and, and guide us in this thing? And so God has done that and we honor him. And by the way, we want to invite you, because what has happened also, and that's an amazing thing, that a house has become available for the use of the young people's ministry. And it's just an amazing thing that God has done, and the timing of that is just so incredibly special. So we have a house that, that some of our young people are staying in, and will be staying in. Cassandra will also be moving in there when she arrives. And it's a place where it's called the well for various good reasons where we trust that it will be a place that young people can can find some sort of a a refuge in and we're not saying that their homes are at such a disarray that they need to come here but just a place where young people can come to and just connect and just engage and what we want to invite people to and and particularly for the parents of those that are part of debrief and 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 if others are going to come you're so welcome but this evening from six to 7 or 630, Um, you can come and have a look at the well, which is 4 Kerry Road, and uh, just be there. It's just up the road from here, turning to the right along Cecil Avenue from 6 to 630. um, the, The young people are inviting you to come and just see what God has made available to minister to the young people, and we trust and looking forward to that. So God um, is approached first by Nehemiah as he hears about this and he doesn't try to hide um, what has been heard or what he um, observed. People tell him he goes to God and he says, God, please show me and help me. It's an amazing thing. The fourth thing that we see as I hasten to finish is that Nehemiah understood the devastation of sin. So Nehemiah doesn't attribute the condition of, of Jerusalem to just poor management and bad resources and You know, this and that. He says it's sin. And he doesn't just call it the people's sin. He says, my sin. My sin. He says, God, I look at myself first. I don't want to just look at the other people and say, oh, they've been bad. Hannah and I, what you told me, it's probably because their people are so bad. They just never listen to He says, God, I take responsibility and ownership for my sin. Before you and we've got to have an understanding and we don't preach about this every Sunday we say sin is bad and you're a sinner and get rid of it and God wants to forgive you but we do need to understand fuck, that sin is real and it lurks at the door of our hearts to try to trap us and snare us and so Nehemiah is not trying to tiptoe around sin, oh, let's not call it that you know, it's just the politically correct word for this is you know um, let's not call it that, because really there are some people that would be offended if we say this. Now, Nehemiah says, it's sin. That's what it is. That's why Jerusalem is in the state that it is in. That's why this nation is, is in this condition that we find ourselves in. It's sin. We've got to just call a thing. Call a spade a spade. That starts with me. So God, my sin. Where I've gone wrong, I ask you to forgive me. But I thank you for the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. As much as there is the reality of sin, there's this incredible revelation of grace that comes through Christ. And so Nehemiah deals with that and he refers to it. And then the last thing. We see Nehemiah was prepared to do something about what he heard. He was moved. And then he said, God, because his last prayer, let me just read this line to you as we finish. Verse 11. It says, O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. This man is the king. So that's the context. He's saying, I want success. Why? Do I want to be successful as a cupbearer only? No. His heart was so moved That he realized there's work ahead. And Nehemiah said, please grant me success, God. Please grant me favor. And folks, this morning, we've got to realize that as we are moved by God, as our heart breaks about what we see and what we hear and become aware of, there's got to be a willingness to say, I'm going to step into that. And you know what? You don't have to become a pastor and become full-time in a ministry to step into that. It is as you engage with the people in a context that you find yourself most of the time in, that's your world. That's where God wants to move your heart to be effective and to be fruitful in. And that's why we call this series, a series of restoration, that God wants to do a restorative word, work in our lives and through us, but it starts in us. And so this, this whole series will be about how God wants to restore our world by restoring us first, by touching our hearts and make us come alive. And In the light of that, I just want to say, I, something has moved me over the last while, and it's... Perhaps because i've just been listening to the news and it's not to zbc or bbc or cnn i kind of just have been observing that god wants to use men and it's not a new revelation at all (laughs) and i understand that but my heart has been moved to engage with men and praise god he's not moved my heart to engage with women because my wife would have a problem with that (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, I, I felt that God has spoken to me over the last couple of months about us reaching out to men. Not just here, but beyond. And I, and I feel that God wants us to act on that. You want to share something in that light?
1: Please, would you? Hello, everyone. I just want to say it's so wonderful to be with you all and to be in the presence of God with you this morning. Um, I was given a scripture, a set of scripture verses this morning when I was reading and and I really think it's in line so I'd like to share them. It's found in uh, Haggai chapter 2 verse 3 to 9. It says, uh, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? does it not seem like nothing but now be strong declares the Lord be strong all you people of the land declares the Lord and work for I'm with you declares the Lord Almighty this is what I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt or the world and my spirit remains among you do not fear This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I'll once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I'll grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Thank you so much, Neil. I'm
0: so incredibly supportive of what God is stirring amongst us, that there's a work to be done. And I, I know that God calls men and women into various things. But just from where I am standing at the moment, I feel that God wants to challenge us as men, that there's a work that he wants to do in us and a work through us. And I don't want to start with too many things and try to keep people busy, but as I've been praying about, I really feel that God wants us to create a moment where men can come together. And uh, apart from the normal life groups that will be taking place during the weekend week nights, um, I want to invite men um, for a time that I want to call "man up." Just a simple thing that I've stirred, felt stirred in my heart is God's saying, "I want men to man up." And, And you can do that for both women as well, by the way. It's a cross-gender thing. But particularly for men, just want to have a time where we can talk about manning up and not not criticizing any of the men for what you're not doing and doing or whatever, but just growing together of what it is that God is calling us to be responsible to before Him. So I'm going to do it at a very difficult time because I know that time is often very difficult to find together together and one of the reasons why we call it man up is that you're going to have to man up to get up at whatever time to be ready at 5 a.m to 6 a.m just an hour where i'd love to have whoever wants to come so at the moment we're going to do it at my house at 16 Clare road from friday mornings five to six the time of man up and um, we're going to start this friday and um, have the time together we want to go away for a bit of holiday after the next week as a family. So I want to do it before we go. And then once we're back, we'll carry on with it again and see how often we can do it without putting a major burden on guys to man up. So getting up and being ready at five is, hey man, you got to get up to be there. Um, excuse the pun, but it's just a simple way that we want to try to create a moment for us as men to grow together. So it's open for anybody that want to come. And I want to ask just in that, that, that we all realize that there's a work of God that he wants to do, not just for men, also for women, and, and that as a church we can grow together and, and taking up the responsibility that we have before him. I want to say finally, there's so much that we're going to learn together from Nehemiah. I want to encourage you to go read it and go study the book. Go dive into it and kind of take it apart and dissect it and read up about Nehemiah and kind of grow together with us in this and not just depend on the preachers on a Sunday. Is that okay? Let's, let's, let's journey through, through the book of Nehemiah together and let's allow God to stir our hearts for what He wants us to do as individuals and as a church together at this time. Thank you God. May I finally ask to something very practical One of the real things that we need to just do on a Sunday is to serve one another with coffee and tea. We have a genuine need for more people to get involved in that. I'm saying people of all genders. And we've traditionally fallen into this belief that it's just for women, but it's something for all of us. And we're going to go to a time now where we will benefit from the service of others who are helping us to enjoy a cup of coffee and tea. But we need more guys and more girls to help us. So please, could you also not just ask where you can help? Won't you listen to where you can help? And also, won't you act on where you can help? Is that all right? That's just one area. That's just particularly this morning I want to mention it. But let's pray. Lord, the word restoration is so huge. Because it implies that there is work to be done. But the work that needs to be done can only happen when there's a work done in our own lives first. And we want to live and build beyond ourselves, God, as we read from the book of Nehemiah. But I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that you will help us to allow you to work in us. So often we place the emphasis on the work out there that needs to be done. But Lord God, there's a work in us first that is required. And I pray that you will help us with that. And so Holy Spirit, this morning we thank you for the way in which I believe you've spoken to us and how you've stirred our hearts for the work that you've called us to. Help us to be prepared to allow you to work in us. And also to work through us Jesus I pray please allow us to allow you Lord God help us Lord to allow you to work in us even right now as we sit before you we pray Holy Spirit here I am work in me do the work in me that you want to do so that the work through me can take place as we go from your Holy Spirit I pray that we will go with this expectation, this expectation, Lord God, to see you work in us, stir our hearts. Lord, as we listen to the news, help us to listen well and respond appropriately. We can't respond to everything we hear, Lord. We're just human beings. But help us to respond to those voices that you want us to hear. Even in our own homes, Lord God. It starts at home. Trust you for it, Jesus.
1: Thank you, God. Amen.